Welcome to CB Talks, a podcast from SilverCloud Health, the leading global provider of evidence-based well-being and behavioral health solutions. I'm Dr. Jorge Palacios, Senior Digital Health Scientist. And in each episode, I sit down with leading mental health practitioners and advocates as we look at the latest research and discussion points around mental health, as well as exploring the science and impact of digital mental health. In today's episode, I'm looking at the mental resilience within those who undertake endurance sports. Activities such as long-distance running, cycling, or swimming can put an intense physical strain on the body, so it's important that athletes doing these sports protect their mental health in order for them to manage the pressure and internal dialogue that is key to achieving their goals. My guest today, Conor O'Keefe, can certainly relate to this. And as an ultra-endurance athlete and speaker on mindset and well-being, Connor has taken part in a variety of challenges, including climbing Mount Kilimanjaro at just 17 years old and winning the Enduraman 200-mile race in 2019. His more recent venture involved appearing on the TV show Ultimate Hell Week, where contestants undertake intense military-style training and exercises led by special forces. He will also share his latest personal and biggest challenge to date. Connor, thank you so much for joining. Really excited to hear your story. So that's actually my first question. Just, you know, what is your journey so far? What got you to this point of, you know, all these achievements within, you know, endurance training? When did it all start for you? Do you know, I think people probably expect me to say that I was like, uh, you know, that I always had a flair for like endurance sports or for long distances or anything like that. I was an incredibly lazy child and an incredibly lazy teenager as well for like the first half of my teenage years. I didn't really like activity mm. you know like my brother would have to drag me outside sometimes to play soccer like out in the out in the garden and um, because I just didn't really like it yeah. you know and um then when I was about 16 I was always quite overweight as a child and as and into my teenage years and I kind of just decided that I didn't want to be overweight anymore so I just started training and uh, I got my first gym membership in a, a community center that was up the road from my house so like I just finished school every day, hop on the bus and I and I started my, you know, exercising um, journey there. But like I had absolutely no clue what I was doing. I had no, like, I had no idea what, why I was there other than I kind of just wanted to be fitter. And then from there, I did get fit and I actually did for the first time in my life, like actually have endurance and fitness and kind of like, you know, liked the way that, uh, you know, I wasn't chubby anymore. Mm. And I said, right, you know, let's see what we can do with this now. And I always had this idea that I was going to enter um, the defense forces and become an officer in the army. And I said, you know what, I, I need to create some sort of a, a CV or resume, like, you know, so that when I go for this, people be like, oh, yeah, this guy's good. This guy's going to be a good, good guy. So I headed off to Kilimanjaro when I was 17 with a charity to call Climate. And it was an incredible experience. And soon after, when I got home from Kilimanjaro, which was just this, you know, a far more like slow paced endurance, high altitude, lots of things that I had never really done before, I started Thai boxing. It was like super high pace, super physical, 
I, I remember first day walking into the gym and just being hit by the the smells and the sounds of the Thai boxing gym and just be, you know, just feeling like, oh, okay, I'm at home. I'm home. Whatever I was searching uh-huh. for at that time when I was a young fella, I had found it. Hmm. And I Thai boxed into my early mid-20s, which ended rather dramatically. Um, I got knocked unconscious in, a, in an Irish title fight in 2013. And... I really wasn't mentally prepared for, for that type of a loss, for that type of, you know, for, for something like that to happen to me. And so it kind of, I fought a couple of more times after that, but I really just, uh, it might, the passion and the flame that I had inside me for Thai boxing was extinguished. Mm-hmm. And so I found myself doing what all the other 20 odd year olds, um, you know, early twenties that I knew were doing. And I was going out and socializing and drinking and, partying and mm. that's what I did I, I was incredibly comfortable in my way of life it never pushed me out of, out of my boundaries I was at the time I was selling cars and I was very good at it mm-hmm. so it never really asked anything of me I hadn't started running yet but I was on the treadmill of that way of life until I stumbled upon kind of ultra endurance and I don't think ultra endurance you know quote unquote fixed me or anything um I think I was the one that brought myself out of that way of life. And it was just so happened that I liked to run at the same time. Um, Can I pause you there? Because I I think it's really interesting. The highs, the ebbs and flows, the highs and lows that you've gone through. When you started talking about, you know, being 16 and then at 17, climbing Clarence, I thought, wow, that sounded way easier than most teenagers. Like, I think I took my teenage years into my early thirties. <laughs> like, you know, it's, it's, I mean, I, I don't want to, I don't want to say that it was easy because I know it wasn't, but like how you said, you know, you felt this way when you were 16, you didn't like who you were. Right. And was that an internal thing or did you have external factors? Like, was there a day or a moment which you can think back to that said, you know, yeah. this made me change as a young person? I remember coming back from a holiday with my friend. We both went to Bulgaria. He had a house over there at the time. And I just remember spending the whole time wearing a T-shirt. And he spent the whole time with his top off because he was like a fit guy. And he, he played hurling and football and soccer and every sport under the sun. And I was like, Do you know what? I want that. Because so it was, it was internal struggles, right? So there was, I was very hard on myself. I was very, very hard on myself in the way that... Um, you know, I never really gave myself, you know, the benefit of the doubt. I, I'd always kind of attack myself. And I think then, as we all do, and I still do, you point to the external as a way of fixing what's inside. Yeah. And that's what I did. I pointed to, you know what, if I lose weight, I'll be happy. You know, if I do this or I do that, I'll be happy. And you know, that's just not true. And so I found that, you know, I I did point to the external and then Thai boxing on a different scale gave me more of this kind of uh, positive feedback loop. Mm. So like I, you know, Thai boxing was, I entered Thai boxing kind of searching for who I was. And then I didn't really find who I was, but I found who I wanted to be and who I wanted to be was the guy who was winning fights. And so to keep that going, I'd have to train hard, win a fight, recover, train hard, win a fight. And there's just that like positive feedback loop of, you know, actions and rewards. And um, that's what I kind of fell into afterwards. So I was never addressing any of the internal issues. Yeah, yeah. And that's, that's incredibly insightful. But, um, but you're right, at, you know, at that age, it's hard 
to really come to terms with that or internalize that, like you said. And and I think that's why, well, you, you found Thai boxing and you had this positive feedback look, but then in your, well, your first big loss, it kind of like, not only was it hard to, you know, stomach and muster, but it kind of just send you a downward spiral, as you call it, or at least away from that, where you said, no, 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 you know, I, I don't want to experience this again. Yeah, I didn't have the tools, like, you know, like, I, you know, I hadn't. So, like, without Thai boxing, I didn't really think that I was a good person. Do you get me? So, like, if I don't have Thai boxing then, and that's that stool is whipped from under your, your feet, you're left, like, thinking, Jesus, you know, what do I have? You know, so I, I, I basically, I let Thai boxing become my whole identity. And then when it didn't really, you know, pan out the way I wanted it to pan out, I just didn't have the tools. Yeah. And I, that's the thing. It's like, if we, if we expect things like that to like fix us or whatever, like it just doesn't, uh, it, it doesn't make sense to me anymore. And that's, I, it's a trap that I didn't want to fall into with running, but I, I, I didn't realize it either at the time. It was, it was kind of, you know, running allowed me to really think about where I was and why I was even doing it. Why was I even run trying to run a hundred miles? Like questions I never mm-hmm. asked myself before. Never. I never asked myself why I was doing anything. I just asked myself, how can I do it? Or how can it, you know, come about? Like, you know, so as as we do in our, yeah, the, you know. The why uh, is super important. Mm. You just said, I didn't have the tools. What do you mean by that? And uh, when did you get the tools? I, I think I'm still building them, you know. I think I think we'll continue to build them. I Like, I, I'm going to get to 80 years old and feel like I know nothing. You know, feel I know like I know nothing about myself and nothing about the world because I'm constantly like, and it's not that I'm you know hidden away in some Buddhist temple in in quietness or whatever. I just I try and farm it throughout my day to day life, and I think that's the way you know we we all need to be able to do it in modern life. But what I feel like my like let's say you 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 know mental health toolbox like is how do I manage my internal dialogue when. I'm either not in a good mind frame about something or something happens in the external of life that just makes you feel shitty. Like something that happens and let's say you get your car clamped or something like that. How do I stop that singular thing ruining my whole day and possible week? You know what I mean? How You know, those little things. Yeah. So like for me, the toolbox is how do, how can I unpack either happenings in my life and and or feelings I have surrounding something because there's also those things where Mm -hmm. you're either talking to someone or you hear something and for whatever reason you get a feeling inside maybe it's anxious feeling maybe it's a it's a you know it's it's some sort of a feeling that makes you uneasy I try and ask myself now like why and where is this coming from not trying to mm-hmm. push it out of me. You know, like before I'd be like, ah, or forget about it. You know, brush it off. Be all right. You know, like someone says something to you and you're like, oh, yeah. you know, you know, it's kind of takes you by surprise. And, you know, now I'm like, right, let's unpack this picnic uh, of a thought on the table and let's see what it is. Um, but before I was like, ah, no, mm. brush it off, brush it off, keep it going. But it was because of, you know, these insecurities and anxieties that I was holding about myself. I wasn't, I didn't want to face them. I didn't yeah. want to, I didn't want to chat about them. Like, you know, all I wanted to do was push them out and usually push them out with about 10 vodkas on top of it. Um, and that's the way that I would do it. Like you're someone who is in his own head a lot, because mm-hmm. what else can you do 
when you're running for 100, 200 miles, but think, you know, and push on through your mind. I think that's that's not talked about enough. And for an endurance athlete, it might be an easier conclusion to make. But anyone doing sports, anyone doing their day-to-day is alone in their thoughts often. Anyone, anyone throughout their day. So, you know, to push on through with a task, to push on through with your daily activities, you have to deal with that somehow. But that's why I think it's going to be really interesting to hear what you have to say about being in your own head as you run or as you train, you know, can you talk us a little bit about that? Yeah, I suppose like we always have the internal chat going. Like even when I'm talking to you right now, your internal chat is going, you know, it's every, everybody has that, uh, that, uh, and it's like, you know, you could say it's a monologue because it's all you, but it really is a dialogue. It's a two, there's two halves of you. One half is kind of like, kind of more leaning towards the subconscious and that's that side of you that lets in those uncomfortable thoughts um or lets in those uncomfortable feelings and then there's another side of you that goes wait a second we don't want you in here pushes all these you know these negative emotions and negative feelings and thoughts out and doesn't doesn't want you to see them you know puts them into the closet keeps them in the dark and um I think that's one of the biggest mistakes I made was just trying to trying to silence my inner thoughts because like you can't silence yourself you're with yourself the whole time and that's what I realized at the very beginning of this journey Jorge was that if I want to feel better and I want to live a better life there's absolutely nobody or no thing that's going to actually be able to help me do that other than me I'm the only person I spend 24 hours a day with so I'm gonna have to create this relationship with myself and this is where like having the more positive internal dialogue, especially like, you know, during crappy times in life and running, running for me is easy. You know, running for me is like selling cars a couple of years ago. I'm, I'm in that zone now where unless I get into ultra marathons, my day to day running doesn't push me to the edges of the world. You know what I mean? So sure. it, so for me, it's a lot more useful in everyday life to actually have a good internal dialogue when things just don't go the way you want them to. Yeah, I, I think that's great. A lot to unpack there. I mean, I I think it's interesting how, you know, initially you did the tie boxing, you had this big loss because you were pushing yourself, you reached the final, but then that loss really, you know, was hard to stomach, right? And then you were a car salesman and you said that was so easy for you, but that wasn't enough. Like at one point you said like, no, I need, I need more. I need to push myself. But that's the thing. The more you push yourself, the more you want to meet those challenges, because if you do the easy stuff, it just gets boring. And I think we can all relate to that. But the more you push yourself, the more prone you are to finding those challenges and what your limits are. I I had a lot of internal dialogue myself, and I always thought that I was slightly scared of finding what my true potential was. And this was just in my career or in my studies, you know, training as a medical doctor. And I was like, maybe I don't want to know because I don't want to realize that there's a limit or there's going to be a point where it's going to be challenging for me. And I had a lot of internal dialogue about that because I, I was comfortable, you know, no, this is easy. You know, I can do this, no problems. But, you know, maybe I don't want to know what my limit is. But I think 
a way around that is knowing that you can push your limits constantly. And you've shown that because that's what you keep doing, right? Like you, you put these challenges on yourself and maybe for someone like me, that could be a 10 K run, <laughs> right? Or a, it's, a, yeah, it's, you know, it's all a, a half marathon might be the ultimate thing I do. It's all relative. Right. But for you, you said running is, you know, no problem. You just do that in your sleep, like the, the act of running. But then these longer challenges is where you really realize your potential. You realize who you are and, you know, you meet those challenges head on. So speaking of which, um, can you tell me about the 32 times 32 times 32 one? Because yeah. that's, uh, I mean, that's, that's amazing. Well, first of all, just on what you were saying there about the meeting challenges and limits and, and, and seeing and kind of like constantly moving the goalposts or whatever. I think I really thought a lot into that over the last number of years. And I felt like I was kind of going down this same road as that I did with Thai boxing, this positive feedback loops, like constantly pushing these limits, pushing these limits. And I kind of thought to myself, I actually just actually enjoy it's not a it's not so much a um you know, a search for uh, for a limit or a higher meaning for me. I just actually enjoy the feeling I get from doing these endurance mm-hmm. feats. So what I had to do was at a certain time as well was get to the point where I was completely OK with doing absolutely nothing, you know, like doing no sure. endurance stuff, no anything. How How do I feel about just being Connor, you know, and like not being the ultramarathon runner? not being this and that because that's I don't live I might do two races a year you know this is a special year because I'll be doing the 32 days of running but I might do two big races a year for the other 363 days of the year I have to be just Connor you know or whatever the case may be so for sheer mathematical you know for statistical reasons I have to be happy with Connor without being an ultra marathon runner and that's what I'd say to anybody that's listening to this of course you know be who you are. And so mm. I wanted to just be happy with Connor, like wake up in the morning, whoever is the guy is doing the dishes or is putting on the scrambled eggs, that guy, I want to be happy with him. You know, um, I want to be happy with the guy who throws the ball for his dog in the park. And then th- having the ultra marathon as a treat for myself almost, you know what I mean? This supplement to my life. I love it. You know, I really, really love it. And I think you can't, do this unless there's a certain element of love for it as well you know there's got to be whether you love running or maybe you run the you'll just love the the aspect of actually just you know pushing yourself in that way i think i love both to be honest so that culminated then with this idea for project 32 was how can you do what you love but also share it with everybody and that's where the idea of going to every county in ireland came from so I'm going to run 32 marathons in 32 days in the 32 counties of Ireland. And I'm going to wear a 32 pound vest, um, which I wear every day for a portion of the day. But I wore for an hour and a half yesterday. I wear it every day and I'm doing a half marathon with the weighted vest, which is about just under 15 kilos uh, on Saturday. Just all these Mm. things are just kind of like training the body and the mind to kind of get used to this being just going to be my life for 32 days straight so uh, I, I i lose a pound a day as i go on so every day i'll drop a pound out of the vest and what it is really kind of 
you know, when I first came up with this idea, which was in 2019, actually, because COVID had put such a, a kind of a cap on what we could and couldn't do at the time. I thought, right, I've had this negative weight on top of me and this negative weight of these internal thoughts of not being able to forgive myself, not being able to give myself the benefit of the doubt or the pat on the back and or be good, be a good person to me. And now I am in this position where I, I like who I am. I like, you know, whoever wakes up in the morning, I like him. And the, the, the person who's putting his head on the bed at night, I like him. And that was, it took me 28 years. And um, I wanted to kind of share that with people that, you know, whatever weight you're carrying, whether it be a loss, whether it be anxiety about social anxiety, whether it be depression, don't want to get out of bed in the morning or anything like that. You have the power. And like maybe that, maybe you showing your power is just actually putting your hand up and saying you need help. That's mm -hmm. as powerful as you going out and trying to do these things yourself. You know what I mean? Asking for help yeah. in those situations yeah. is brave. And that's what Project 32 is all about is, is this showing that, you know, life can and, and will be better, but it doesn't have anything to do with what you do. It's who you are and how happy you are with who you are. Thanks, Connor. That's super interesting. And um, you were really getting into the why there, which you alluded to, which is super important. Like you do it because you love it and also because you want to share it. And I know you've been talking about, you know, being happy with Connor, but then that resonates with others, you know? I mean, I really believe happiness is best when shared, but you know, you create that happiness for yourself by being comfortable in yourself, finding the things that you love. And then what you want to do is share it, right? Share that mm -hmm. with those close to you. And then if you have the influence to do so, um, share it with more and more people. I think that's awesome. I mean, like I would love it if 32 people ran with you or alongside you or were inspired by you every day, at least add on another 32 in there, starting with, with me. I won't run a marathon though, but I'll do something. I'll push myself, do something or do something I love. <laughs> we're going to get loads of people involved in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm, I'm sure you will. And that's, that's going to be awesome from county to county. The other thing I was going to say is you might want to do it in Mexico too, because there's, you know, 32 states there. So um, I'm from Mexico. So uh, if you ever... Uh, one uh, another challenge, your next challenge. Let's talk. You know? There's actually a long history of ultra marathon running in in Mexico as well. So yeah, we'll have to. You're, we'll have you're to make absolutely it right. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, people talk in endurance training or things about like pushing through the injuries and pushing through pain and all of that stuff. But like, is there a point where you know you think, okay, I mean, I need to pause here. This is too much. Or do you? I find it hard to see that line or distinguish that that line i think for for me i have matured in my time through ultramarathon and actually it showed really in my last ultramarathon i was uh i was suffering very badly with sciatica and uh, one of my legs locked up i couldn't move it and i was a hundred miles into a hundred and twenty mile race so like I had really the back broken off of the, you know, the race itself. And but I, I, I had gotten to this point where Project 32 was very much on my radar for the future. But also there was this idea inside me of who are you doing this for? You know, who are you doing this for? You can't straighten your leg without like screaming in pain. So what are you doing this for? Like who, who are you doing this for? 
the external adulation of, oh yeah, Connor, the tough guy, or are you actually doing this for, for yourself, for the love and or the self-exploration? And when you gain this maturity, you can actually see the forest from the trees and you can actually see, right, we live to fight another day. You know what I mean? To bring bring my fighting analogy back into it, we do live to fight another day. And I had to, what's known as DNF, did not finish at 100 miles in that race. I could have hobbled for 10 hours or 12 hours and finished it and run the risk of having an injury that would lead to an operation or would lead to me not running for six months. But that's the that's the thing. You have to realize that, you know, you're a person. You know, you're a person just like anybody else. And then when that is a very, very great thing to inform you about your decision making around something like Project 32. And the way I feel about Project 32 is people say in sports, or they say in, you know, in, in endurance or anything like that, you always have to believe you'll finish. You always have to believe that you're going to be successful. I won a 200 mile race. There's only two people have ever finished this 200 mile race. And I never thought I was going to finish. <laughs> so I never thought I was going to finish it. I just wanted to get out and run and, and actually just have fun with it. And like, mm. it's so weird to think about a 200 mile race being fun, but I was laughing and joking the whole way through. Like they still call me the, you know, the, the smiley guy, like, you know, over in that particular ultra marathon. And this is the thing about project 32. I have this idea that if I train properly and I also learn the lessons I learned from that last ultra marathon, the Kerry way ultra, if I learn the lessons from that, it gives me a fantastic opportunity to have success. And you're never guaranteed success in life. So I, I don't guarantee my success in anything. I believe I'm going to give it my best shot. And I believe that I'm going to be there at, on day one. And I'm going to show up on day one. Yeah, and I'm going to great. give it everything. Hmm. That's great. And and look, I mean, Connor, the, the truth is you're speaking to universal and you know, such human themes. I mean, uh, I was just thinking about the story of Ithaca, of the ancient Greece, and just how the legend around it is. It's about Ulysses' journey to Ithaca. It's about the journey, not the destination. And um, and that's what you're describing, really. Like, you were running these 200 miles, didn't know if you would finish or not, but you were enjoying the journey. You do set out goals, but there's not un unrealistic expectations of how to meet them. And the other important thing is, you know, who are you doing this for? Because if you're doing it for yourself, because, you know, you want to, it makes you happy. And if you achieve it, that's awesome. And if not, you tried. I mean, that that just makes it, it's, it's just so much different. And, you know, we can push ourselves. And I just, I mean, I just want to share something with you. I mean, probably the, the longest hike I've ever done was about a six hour hike that I did in New Zealand. Towards the end, I was so unprepared, Connor. Like, I mean, I guess by looking at me, you're like, this guy's no endurance athlete. But I was so unprepared for this hike, right? At about three quarters of the way up, I was like, I can't, I don't know if I can go on, but I just kept going because I was in the middle of this tall mountain. I did want to see the view, right? That was what kept me going. But I was like completely in my head and thinking about myself and about why I wanted to do this for me. Like, I remember just being just not thinking about anyone, just why I was doing this and how I would feel when I got to the top. And it was slightly different, obviously, because I 
for me, it wasn't an option to stay there right in the middle. So I kept going and it was tough. But when I got to the top and I was with someone else, like we kind of just acknowledged each other and then just went off for about an hour just to see the view. And it was never about, you know, sharing this um, necessarily, not taking any photos or anything, but just soaking it all in for me, like what this meant for me. And I I remember just my thoughts going up. Like that's, I, I have such a strong memory of that. It's so intense. So, you know, that's kind of my way of saying to anyone listening, you know, you don't have to necessarily do 200 miles, like it can be for anything. And I think that's what you're saying too. Like this should resonate with everyone because it's just it's just different the goalposts are different for different people but you are a source of inspiration because i think you you have quite a lot of clarity around it and i i think that's really cool in all the messages that you're saying i want to ask you a little bit because you mentioned it offhand but ultimate hell week i know we can't talk about you know the ending but can you just mention what that is yeah um this season that I'm involved in is season four. So there's been three seasons before that. And uh, I just remember mm-hmm. watching them. And, um, you know, I mentioned at the beginning that I wanted to be a soldier um, and I wanted to enter the defense forces as an officer. And because of my own decision making, my own kind of, I suppose, mistakes that I had made and it never happened, you know, and it's a regret of mine. But mm. I think regrets are like just part of life, really, to be honest. And if you can just get to a, a point where you're comfortable with them, then that's the main thing. And that's where I am kind of at at the moment. And I remember seeing the first two seasons of Ultimate Hell Week and just thinking, right, there's a, it's a there's a similar show as well that I that I was watching as well. SAS Who Dares Wins. And that's in the UK. And so I kind of had, I just had this urge to to apply, you know, at the beginning, I thought it was going to be incredibly tough. I thought it was going to be something mm-hmm. that was really going to push me. Uh, but I also thought that I might have had a bit of pedigree for enduring. But yet, sure. I had absolutely no idea the challenges that were going to be thrown to me, not physically, but like who I was as a person. You know, who mm-hmm. am I as a person? Mm-hmm. And like... Uh, my leadership styles, my attitudes, my belief in myself, all of those things were going to be challenged and questioned. Like this is why they say a million times over on this show and in the special forces itself, it's not the fittest guy. It's not the fittest person that, you know, Mm -hmm. gets through or passes or whatever. It's a person who has kind of basically got, uh, you know, has a bit of everything, you know, like they have, they have a sense of humor. They can brush off things, you know, if they do crap at something or if something is said to them, that's negative, they can brush it off. They have their own idea of who they are and it's not allowed to be changed. And that's the thing that I really had going into that as well was this idea that no matter what they were going to say to you or no matter how badly you did in a particular event, I was always going to have that best friend mentality and I was always going to give myself the benefit of the doubt. And that's what really, really paid Mm. off. I mean, again, you're saying something that I I speak a lot of too, and it's this whole, you know, there's no health without mental health and physical and mental health are so intertwined, right? It's so true. And sports is a way to really get that message across. And I'm sure you've seen a lot of sports stars opening up about it and saying, you know, 
like my mental health was, I was going through some tough times. And until I got that together, I couldn't really achieve my peak performance. People talk a lot about how exercise improves our mental health, but the opposite is also true. I mean, nurturing and bettering your mental health, you know, makes that exercise pay off more, makes you discover who you are, makes you achieve peak performance. Like they go hand in hand. It's an an easier way to just acknowledge that physical and mental health are one and the same because it's in the same person, right? We're talking a lot about you being happy with yourself. So you have to nurture both those things. But again, it's not limited to sports. It's not limited to endurance training. So what would you say like to regular people who won't go into Ultimate Hell Week, who won't run 32 marathons in 32 days, but who do want to find out more about who they are, meet those challenges. What's a a good takeaway that you could say to anybody who just comes asking for advice? Yeah. um, People that are going through a a tough time or an an internal battle, like my mother has just actually trained as a psychotherapist. And I think from me having my discussions with her and, you know, talking to her, even as a, a mother and son relationship, I feel like, well, everybody should get counseling or go to therapy, you know, in, in some way, shape or form. It's a fantastic thing to avail of. So if there's anybody that's like seeking to understand a bit more about themselves, like, you know, why do I think like this? Why do I act like that when things don't go my way? Why do I do yeah. this? It can help you. It won't give you the answers. You're going to find the answers yourself, but it can definitely help you figure those out. So if there was anybody that was thinking, yeah, I would love to have a bit more introspection, a bit more of an idea of who I am. I think I think therapy is a fantastic place to start. Yeah. What I would say to people is, is you're fantastic. You know what I mean? And it's like you're a brilliant person and you might have things about you that you think might improve your way of life. But don't try and rob yourself of who you are, because that's one of the most, you know, quintessential things about humanity is, is that all of us are different. We're all have our own um, differences and our own unique abilities and things like that. So don't lose those things because you can get easily lost by searching for who you are in the external. So if we can actually, you know, if we think about things in a different way, investing in yourself is, is a brilliant thing to do as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I, obviously, step one in investing in yourself is finding those tools, understanding your feelings and thoughts and behaviors, those psychotherapeutic tools that do exist um, out there. And more and more, they are becoming available because people are acknowledging that need. And thanks for being such a great ambassador to that, um, for saying precisely that you're not Connor O'Keefe endurance athlete. You're Connor O'Keefe who likes his eggs in the morning a certain way, who, you know, is a bit messy at times um, but likes a good laugh and just happens to be on ultimate hell week for a portion of his life you know exactly. then your next challenge will be something else so look we'll we'll keep following you and um and pulling for you but um i really think this conversation will help a lot of people too thanks for that more than anything thanks for you know continuing to speak and being so open about your struggles and how that's um, shaped your life because it's just uh, great to hear. So thanks for coming on, Connor. Really appreciate it. Thank you for having me, Jorge. Many thanks to my guest, Connor O'Keefe, for sharing some very personal stories 
and his thoughts on being comfortable with who you are and meeting your own challenges, no matter how big or small. To hear more conversations surrounding digital mental health, you can listen to all previous episodes of CB Talks online. Find us wherever you get your podcasts. And if you enjoyed this episode or any other episode in the series, please rate and review CB Talks so we can help others discover it too. I'll be back next time looking at another way in which digital technologies are involved in mental health. I hope to see you then. Thank you.